0: To the official podcast of the mission Redlands, we are a growing community living out god 's radical love amen amen It is just so good to be back. I was gone for a while. Uh, I was in Italy with my wife and uh, and while I was over there uh, we were, believe it or not, working on, a, on this series, and I'm really stoked about it. You know, every train stop uh, that we had in Italy, um, I would sit down and, and pray and, and reach out to Pastor Jason, and, uh, and, to, and, and with the teaching team, we were working on this new sermon series, uh, True North, and it's, and it's something that's been on our hearts for a while, um, to address something that all of us as Christians really struggle with. All of us struggle with switching from going to a religious mentality to one that is from the heart. And that's really what this sermon series is all about. True North, let me just give you the the, the summary that we have on social media, what this series is all about. Uh, We all have basic human needs. Most of our daily actions from mundane to important are guided by these basic needs. The problem is we are lost in our quest to meet those needs. As Christians, our lack of direction turns our faith walk into religious and scripted living. Now what does that mean? That means we go to the Bible and we pray out of a religious compulsion. Not because we're thirsty, but because, well, it's what we're supposed to do. Jesus wants us to reorient our lives. He wants us to live from the heart for Him. So that's completely different from religious living. And to be honest, it's in our our DNA to to. to To put it some way, it's already in our sinful DNA to always default back to religion, to scripted living, to make sure I'm following my Bible plan, make sure that I uh, get up at a certain time in the morning and pray. And all that's good. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray and we shouldn't read the Bible. But what is the source of what drives us to that? That is essential as Christians. I'm going to read a few quotes by... uh, some well-known Christian leaders, pastors, theologians uh, that talk about this issue. The first one is by Timothy Keller. He says, if you can't show the difference between religion and the gospel, people will confuse morality with a changed heart. Just listen to that again. If you can't show the difference between religion and the good news of Jesus, people will confuse morality with a changed heart. See, changed heart is what the gospel eventually leads us to. A different type of person. Not a person that follows a checklist, but a person from whom the heart emanates different desires or different uh, behavior. John Piper says the goal of Christianity is not just to reform the manners of society, but to change the hearts of sinners like us. Again, a heart issue. David Platt said... This is the curse of superficial religion. The constant attempt to do outward things apart from inward transformation. This is a big concern. And this is why leaders constantly address this in the church. Because as Christians, you could have genuinely come to faith, but still sometimes default back to it. Part of what led us to thinking about this series was a heartfelt an honest conversation between Pastor Jason and I where we were talking about this, like all Christians go through seasons of this in their life where they just default back to, ah, let me just do this because I know I'm supposed to do it, but not really like thirst, seeking to quench the thirst of our hearts through the gospel. So we all, no matter if you're a newborn Christian or a a seasoned Christian, 15 years plus or more, 30, 40 years, we all go through this. See, the truth is our actions, what I do outwardly, don't imply inner transformation, okay? So you could could behave like the most amazing person and it could still mean nothing about your heart. That's a hard reality to swallow, but the Bible talks about this. However, inner transformation always does imply that you will see outward behavior. So again, outward behavior, your actions don't imply your heart changed. But your heart changing will always show the fruit, the evidence. You will see outward changes. You will see sin, but you will see a radical transformation progressively. See, after conversion, Christians should progressively become a type of person. They should become a type of person. Initially, we all feel the sway of the Spirit. When everyone first comes to faith, you typically hear how they're just... Living radically, like after they, 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 whether it's through a a day, a a sermon that they hear and they come up to the front, stereotypically to receive Christ, or they just in their room by themselves, come to Jesus progressively, whatever it is, when they first come to that moment where they say, Jesus, I give you my all, I need you because I'm a sinner, save me from myself and from my sin. After that, there's like maybe a period of weeks, months, a year where they just are on Fire for God. We've been there. It's like this season where it's just like you wake up and you want more God and you go to sleep. And before you go to sleep, you want God throughout the day. You're like, you see passages in scripture and they just, oh man, I love this scripture. Let me highlight it on my Bible. Let me put a sticky note here. Let me, let me write on my journal. You're just on fire for God. And then the mundane happens and then routine takes over after a while. So we want to address in this series what makes that happen and how can we correct it? How can we go back to the love of our youth, so to speak? See, initially we all feel the sway of that spirit when we first come to Jesus. As we walk by the spirit, becoming a type of person with a distinct fruit. A fruit of love, joy, patience, and kindness. See, in Galatians 5.16, we're told to do this. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh And later on in that chapter, he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so he talks about fruit. He's not saying do these things. This is your to-do list of how to be holy. But he says, become a different type of person who from the inside is radically changing in the heart and it produces new emotions. That's what he's calling us to do. So why is it that after our initial experience, we typically default back to religion, compulsive or, you know, religious need to just make sure I'm keeping, you know, I'm making sure that I'm doing the right thing. Again, it's not that we shouldn't do it, but the motive, the motivation to it matters, See, we go through these religious motions. We pray and read the Bible to get it off of our checklist. And yes, we should do these things, but from the heart. I need to make sure that the source of it is the heart and not compulsion, not religion. Otherwise, if our heart is never involved, here's the big problem. If our heart is never involved, then we may have actually never received Christ to begin with. Making us simply Religious Pharisees. Listen to the descriptions. Listen to how Jesus speaks to the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside outward, clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside, They are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. Again, outward doesn't imply inward. You being a good person outwardly does not reflect that your heart truly loves. But if my heart is clean, then you will see the outward evidence. Jesus is calling them. Heck, the Pharisees were doing a lot of things that were good. They were checking off All those items of things they should do. Jesus also says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, Jesus is not interested in how many checks you get. He wants your heart. Oh, yeah, uh, I've, I've never been unfaithful to my wife, but I'm unfaithful to my wife all day in my head. Am I right? Ah... You see, that's, that, what is Jesus after, right? Is Jesus after us checking off the marks? Oh, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm not doing this, but where is my heart at? Jesus wants the heart. You hypocrites, Jesus says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, outward, but their heart is far from me. This is a common theme. It is essential to our walk. He says, in vain they worship me. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, Jesus is saying, you could have worthless worship. In vain worship. Worship that means nothing because it's outward, but the inside is not in in tune with God. In another passage, Jesus Speaking to people that think eating certain foods is sin, he says, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. All of these passages I've read are from Matthew. Matthew, The Gospel of Matthew tends to show that Jesus really is going for the heart. And so I encourage you to keep an eye out for that when you're reading that Jesus is interested in much more than good deeds. He doesn't want the good deeds. He wants the heart. The good deeds are the evidence of the heart. And then finally, here's another passage. It's used a lot at weddings, even though originally it was not meant to be a wedding passage. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 13. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, just the first three verses. Check this out. So that you can realize that you could be completely outwardly religious and zero cold in the heart. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have no love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Here's the really really powerful one. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This is convicting to me, because I so often default to these outward expressions. These are like the harshest outward expressions. Give away everything. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. You give, up, you give everything, you deliver your body to be burned, like Shadrach, and his crew. Like, you could do all these things, and it could mean nothing. Again, a Christian is not a checklist person. He is a type of person. He is radically transformed from the inside. And here's the thing. If we've truly come to faith, we have the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to do this. So in this series, we're going to unpack how we can do this, and I, man, I, t- I promised myself I wouldn't say how. That is the problem right there. <laughs> if I try to give you in this series, Pastor Jason and Mark, and, and like if we try to give you a method, we screwed up. Pardon the expression. We messed up. The problem is not the methodology, the methodology is religion. It's not a method issue, it's a hard issue. So we're going to try to keep it as simple as possible by marinating our hearts in a certain way so that our heart wakes up into the right direction. The reason the series is called True North is because the heart is a, com- a-, a compass pointing us into the supposedly the right direction, but sin has moved the-, the pointer from True North to Magnetic North, so to speak. We're not going to geek out, don't worry. <laughs> Here comes the math professor. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the thing. The first bullet point you should take with you today. Our life of worship must be heartfelt. It must be genuine. Our life of worship must be heartfelt. It must Be genuine. This is what Jesus wants. This is what he says in John 4.23 when speaking to the Samaritan woman. He says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. If you highlight in your Bible, please highlight where it says true worshipers. Genuine. He doesn't want outward. He wants people that are invested into him because that's what they desire. Our life of worship must be heartfelt. It must be genuine. This is the first problem. This is the problem that this series is trying to address. How do we make this happen? How do we seek? And again, how? Ugh, let me cross that word out. But what will cause in our heart that correct direction so that we naturally seek God first. I think the thing that we have to address, it was, what is it that goes wrong? Practically speaking, what goes wrong in our hearts? What what distorts the compass? If we are true Christians, how do we fix the issue? Why does the heart sometimes get a little cold with God? Why do we default to routine? Now, let's understand what the Bible means when it says heart, because the Bible is not using the medical definition of the heart. The Bible is not talking about the actual heart that we have physical. It's talking about something else. The heart is usually in the Bible used to denote two things, what we long for and what we feel. The things that we desire and how our emotions react to that. That's what the heart does. So it's a compass because it points us in the right direction, allegedly, because it tells us what we want, and then it reacts to what we want. It gives us emotions. Now, here's the thing. Desires are good. Sometimes in Christian lingo, you hear that wanting things isn't good. But there are basic desires that God gave you. I, went for a stroll on some psychological theory. I'm not a psychologist, but I looked around and I looked at different theories. Um, I looked at Maslow and Rachel probably knows what I'm talking about. Ro- Rochelle, I'm sorry. <laughs> Rochelle knows what I'm talking about. Excuse me. Um, uh, and, and here's what I found. I looked at different theories related to Maslow. And what I found is that the basic needs of human beings split up into three categories, more or less. We're going to see them on the screen. The basic needs of, that are good in a human being are loving, belonging, number one. Number two, purpose and value. And number three, security and survival. Okay? It, this, this is important. We must understand this because everything you do every day is kind of seeking this in some way. Whether it's instinct of survival, security for you and your family, purpose in the job that you do, value, meaning you, you matter, a purpose, you're here for a reason, and loving and belonging. Everything we do, the relationships we seek, the jobs that we seek, the promotions that we, whatever it is, the school that we seek or the job, everything we do, for the most part, there are exceptions, okay? But for the most part, the actions that we can't control, the actions that stem from the heart, are seeking this. We must understand this because if we are to address the compass issue, the lack of direction issue, we must understand our heart is rightly trying to satisfy those three categories. Sin moves the needle in the wrong direction and when we try to satisfy these three good categories, we look for them either in the wrong way or in the wrong place. Either in the wrong way or in the wrong place, we seek to satisfy these needs. Now in this series, what we'll be doing, the teaching team is going to be eventually, I'm not going to address these three very directly today. They will, the rest of the teaching team, they will address these three categories with biblical knowledge so that you can meditate on it and point your heart back in the right direction Again, not methodology, just sing these truths to your heart so that your heart awakens from the wrong direction. Otherwise, we'll just default back to, I'm not gonna do this because I'm not supposed to. Whereas we should be, I want God because this is what fills me. So the problem is that our spiritual compass, the heart, is tarnished by sin. Sin makes our heart search for satisfaction of those basic needs, those three categories, in the wrong places. So when the Bible talks about sinful desires, it's not that the desire itself is sinful, it's how I've distorted the desire into the wrong place or the wrong method. This leads to unhappiness, anger, sadness, etc., So, how do we get a new heart? That's what True North is about. How do I correct the compass? How do I fix the compass? Bullet point number two today. To have genuine fruit that seeks God, we must be filled with spiritual understanding and truth. Let me say that again. This is very important. To have genuine fruit, that means it's natural. It's not something I'm scripting myself to do to have genuine fruit that seeks God for God because he satisfies me, we must be filled with spiritual understanding and truth. I want to emphasize, before I give you the passages that back this up, I don't mean reading Bible verses. That's just the beginning of it. I mean... We must understand those Bible verses. We have to think and meditate on those Bible verses. We'll get to that in a second. But keep that in mind. It's not just reading Bible verses. The the devil knows the Bible verses very well. Atheists know Bible verses very well. It's not just reading. It's deeper than that. Psalm 119.34. Longest chapter in the Bible. It's all about person seeking to obey God from the heart based on the word. I want to draw your attention to verse 34. This, in a sense, is kind of uh, one of the main scriptures of this series. Psalm 119, verse 34. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Okay. Notice here, the, the, the psalmist is concerned with knowing the why, with understanding the why of the law, not the law itself. And yes, in other verses in this chapter, he says, teach me your law. But the law is available in the good book. So this is not what the psalmist is asking when he says, teach me throughout that chapter. He wants to understand. He wants a deep knowledge, an intricate knowledge that just, it, it, it goes deep into the heart. It understands the law. It's wise. It's spiritually wise. It's knowledgeable beyond just quoting a Bible verse. Give me understanding that I may keep your law. How do I keep your law? Give me understanding. How do I keep your law, God? By receiving understanding. And and notice the key word here, heart, in that verse. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it, not with religious compulsion, with my whole heart. Let me be invested into it, God. See, I know I'm not supposed to look at women a certain way. I know I'm not supposed to steal. I know I'm not supposed to lie on my tax forms. I know I'm not supposed to keep the list going. I could try to just follow the that list or I could try to follow it with my heart invested in it understanding it at a deep biblical level that that is pardon the word supernatural understanding it at a supernatural level at a spiritual level at a holy spirit inspired level that's what's going to make the difference that changes Just compulsive keeping, rule rule keeping to heart invested, that I would keep your law with my whole heart. Understanding is essential. We need to understand what went wrong with those three needs, those three categories of needs, the security, the purpose, the love. What happened? We need to understand what the Bible says, not just quote it, but understand why it's Pushing us to seek those needs in God and in his way, not elsewhere. Colossians 1, 9, 10 ties directly the concept of knowledge and spiritual wisdom, understanding, to fruit. Notice all the key words there, okay? Colossians 1, verses 9 through 10 And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And here's the catch, not compulsively, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that causes me to bear fruit. Not compulsive religion. Bear fruit. Something that comes out naturally. I must understand what the heck I'm reading. I must seek the wise in the word. And and we're not going to give you a methodology to that because that's religion. We're going to just tell you, think. Meditate. Think. Think. Don't just read, think, reason it. Let God speak to you through that search. So we've seen two bullet points here. First, our life of worship must be genuine. Second, we've seen that to have that genuine fruit, we must be filled with spiritual understanding and truth. So how do we receive the understanding? That's bullet point number three. To receive understanding, we must pray and meditate on the truth as we look to satisfy our basic needs. And again, this series will not give you a methodology of meditating. It will not. That just turns us into religious people. It won't. It will simply ask you to meditate on truths. We will... We will go through the Bible seeking truths that point our basic needs, those three categories, in the right direction. And we will think about it. We will really think about it and struggle with it. At a supernatural level, our subconscious will be transformed into something different, seeking something different. Now, before I show you another passage, I want you to notice the first part of this bullet point, when it says we must pray, is already answered in the previous two verses I gave you. Both passages are prayers. Psalm 119.34, which we had on the screen moments ago, says, give me understanding. That's a prayer. Colossians 1.9-10, it says, Paul, he says, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with knowledge. You've got to ask for that knowledge, baby. You've got to desire it. You must pray for it. You must honestly tell God. Look, God, I'm reading this stuff here about, you know, uh, not getting drunk, and I, you know, I don't get it. Can you can you really open my heart? I'm reading this stuff about filling your blank, whatever it is that you struggle with in the Bible. We all struggle with truths that God speaks to, speak to us. Pray over it. Ask God. He will give you understanding if you really want that understanding. He will give that to you. That's the first thing. You must pray for it. But it does not stop there. This bullet point says we must also meditate on the truth as we look to satisfy our basic needs. See Paul told Timothy, "Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything." This is 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. It's a really short passage. And we could easily miss it. I missed it for so long. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul didn't say, Timothy, please memorize the letter that I'm writing to you. Memorize these lists of things that you're supposed to do. He's saying, think over these things that I'm speaking to you. Spend time meditating on this. Otherwise, how will you renew your mind? How will you renew a right spirit within you? How will God do that if your mind is not involved? If you're not thinking and meditating so that your heart points back in the right direction, we must meditate. So to summarize what you are to do to correct the needle in your heart, pray that God gives you the understanding and meditate to receive the understanding. And there is no how to on the meditate part. You know, as you walk through your day and you interact with people, go back to that. Go back as you have, you know, it might be just one Bible verse, but sit on it, meditate on it, think on it. Think, here's, a, here's just a great way to really understand what meditate means think about how you're clashing with the passage. Think about how you're clashing with the passage. What beliefs in you are contradicting the beliefs that the Bible is speaking to you? Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So again, meditate. The only, As far as I'll go in a how, it's not a process, it's a definition. It just means think so much on it that you go to war with the inconsistencies of your heart and mind. That's what we mean by think over it or meditate. Think on it so hard that you go to war with your mind and your heart to produce a new mind and heart. Now, I'm just going to give you some quick examples. And then the the teaching team, as as the weeks proceed, they're going to take each of the basic needs and attack them with biblical truth so that you seek to satisfy those needs in the right places and in the right ways. Maybe you're someone that has social media struggles. Heck, all of us do, especially the younger folk in the audience. (laughs) Here's an example of social media struggles. Maybe you have the social media struggle in the sense that you spend a considerable amount of time of the day checking to see how many likes your posts have. Okay? All of us are kind of guilty of that. (laughs) You spend a considerable amount of time, though, checking to see how many likes your posts have. Oh, did they like that witty thing I said? Did they laugh at that joke I made? Did they heart or did they sad this? I don't know, right? But am I concerned about it to the point that it interferes with my day? Then what does that mean? It means your heart is looking for value, the basic need. Your heart is looking for value in the eyes of men and women. If you have social media struggles, it is a good indication that probably you are seeking value in the eyes of men and women. Did they like how I looked in that photo? Did they like that post I made? Did they like my wit? Did they like whatever? Right? I'm looking for validation, value in the eyes of men and women. So what do I do? You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com. Jesus loved me so much, he died on the cross for me. I am now a son. I am a priest. I am his inheritance. I am his dwelling place. Already attacking the problem with... with all these biblical truths that they, they indicate to me where the need should be met. Value is good. Value in men and women is bad. Value in God is good. That's how we direct, through meditation, our compass. Maybe you have a problem with financial aspects. Maybe you've bent the rules of financial ethics. Your budget is tight, so you lie on tax forms or... You lie on other forms to secure more money, essentially stealing. I have two pence instead of one, and so I'm supposed to pay for every pet when I'm renting this house, and who cares? It's just 20 bucks a month. We bend the rules. So what's the problem? My heart is looking for security. Oh, I'm gonna be taken care of financially. I'm looking for security, but I'm looking for the security in my financial ability. Security is good, but I'm looking for it In the wrong place. Me providing it. Whereas, do I trust God who says, don't worry, I will provide. Jesus says, do not be anxious about these things. He will provide. You have a sexual problem. Being sexually active outside the confines of marriage, you are seeking the immediate pleasure of intimacy when you can get the far superior, more satisfying, immediate intimacy with God. Sexual problems... Sexual problems occur because we want intimacy. Intimacy is good. It belongs to the category of love and relationship or love and belonging. So what's the problem? We're seeking it in the wrong place. So the, val- the again, we have needs that are good, but we seek in the wrong place. Our hearts need to be reoriented with truth that reorients our heart. That's what we will do. We will take in this series all three of those categories, and I'll repeat them again. Love and belonging, purpose and value, security and survival, so that we reorient our hearts with biblical truth in the right direction. This is what will radically transform our hearts, not compulsive religious uh, religion checklist to keep or trying to force myself to do this. This is the type of stuff, if I'm seeking to radically alter my heart this way, this is what will lead me to the Bible every day, not a checklist, not a Bible reading plan. This is what will lead me to pray every day because I'm being satisfied in him. This is heartfelt, genuine worship. Worship, I worship you. Worship is meaningless if it's just compulsive. I'll end with this example as the band comes up. Imagine if I tell my wife, Katya, that I want to take her out to dinner. I'm stealing this from John Piper. I tell her that I'm going to take her out to dinner and we're going to have a romantic evening and I'm going to get her her favorite like dessert. And we're going to afterwards, we're going to go to Laguna Beach. She loves Laguna Beach. Or we just went to Italy. I tell her, let's go to Italy. Let's go to Capri, to, to Capri the island of Capri. And I get all excited about this. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this. And she asks me, so why are you doing it? Well, because it's the right thing to do. Does anyone that knows Katya knows how she's going to react to that? (laughs) Any wife. How will any wife react to that naturally? That's worthless. That means nothing. You're going on this trip with me because you're supposed to? That's not love. I'm sorry. However, if I tell my wife Katya, I want to go on this trip with you because nothing pleases me more than spending time with you. If I say, I want to take you out to dinner because nothing is better in the day for me than when I sit down and talk and eat with you. Nothing is better than that. That is genuine love. So do we have genuine worship for God or do we have compulsive, this is what I'm supposed to do? This is what this series is all about. As, as the ushers get ready to receive the tithe and offering, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I pray that you would radically alter our hearts and that we would not start this series the wrong way by trying to think of a methodology to do it, but that we would simply pray and meditate. Father, I ask that right now you would resonate that in the hearts of everyone here, including mine, that this week we would think and pray to receive understanding of your word. Think and pray. Keep it simple. Just think and pray. Ask that you would give us understanding and meditate to receive that understanding. For you promised that you will give us that understanding, Lord. That we would understand why our basic needs should be met in you and in the ways you prescribe. Father, May we be a people of genuine worship, as Jesus says, that we would worship in spirit and truth, not out of compulsion, that we would not be a people that's outwardly clean and inside dirty, that we would be a people that has been radically transformed in the hearts, for from the heart, everything stems out. May we truly, by definition, worship you. Take the tithes and offerings, Lord, and multiply them. I ask that you multiply them so that we can impact the city around us, nothing else. And I ask that tithes and offerings right now would be an opportunity for people to trust their security need in you, that they would rely fully on you, that they would do something radical because they trust in you. I pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.